God is an awesome God he raised from heaven morning and welcome. Happy Sabbath to everyone. Glad to have each one of you here. It's a bit hard to follow something as inspiring as those children and then come to an old guy like me. To, well, I appreciate your willingness to listen. Uh, I, we're starting something new. Some of you folks do not come over to the little old church over there in Sabbath school time to receive a bulletin. So we're printing more. I, I bring them over here. They'll be back. Eventually we'll have some pockets and we're thinking about recruiting more people as greeters. And so they would be active over here handing out bulletins ahead of time and so that everyone knows what's going to happen for our worship service. So we appreciate your kind of taking, waiting, but we're working on it, hoping that this improves and helps. I invite you to turn to the back of your bulletins for those that have it. If you don't have a bulletin, why, you can just listen. Wednesday, November 1st, 6 p.m., prayer meeting and the Annex. Then on Sunday, November the 5th, remember to set those clocks back or you're probably going to be way early getting to work if you go to work somewhere. So Sunday night, turn them clocks back one hour. Then also on Sunday, 
ECA, the fall festival, is going to happen over at the ECA school. And that starts from 11 through 3. And while you're there, uh, the ABC from <coughs> Portland will be there uh, if you like to purchase some books. They'll have food available if you're a bit hungry. And also, they have some fun and games scheduled for that. Then the last item that I have to share with you, well, not the last. Then Friday night, November the 3rd, 6 p.m., remember the soup and, and bread event that happens here in the event center. And it was interesting, and this has happened a couple times, when I come in the mornings, I come over here to unlock the doors. None of the doors were locked this morning except those double doors in the back. So we have quite a bit of expensive equipment in here. We need to be diligent about making sure the doors are locked. And this has happened more than once, so... If it happens again, I'll remind you again. Uh, the other thing that I'd like to remind you of, if you happen to attend the morning service over in the old church and come out to come over here, we had an incident this morning where the ramp that comes down out of the church and at the bottom there's a concrete platform there. If you're coming from out of the church from the front door, there's a step up there. And it's very easy to not notice that, and it's a tripping hazard. And someone tripped on this this morning, and hopefully they're not injured from that. But we need to do something about that, whether we taper off a ramp so that I, that isn't a trip hazard could have been very bad. Then the last item that I'd like to call your attention to is uh, a longtime friend of Carolyn is at Alabritti house burnt in one of the fires down in California. And her name is Sylvia, and I might not be pronouncing this right, but I'm going to say it's by... Uh, the church board voted to send her $1,000 from our community service and food for the needy funds. If anyone else is interested in helping with money to, for Selvia, put it in a tithe envelope and on the line under Sabbath school expense, write the number 9378 and we will send it to Sylvia and please remember her in your prayers because her and her husband lost everything that they had and you know when you get up at retirement age and have that happen it's a serious matter so please remember her in prayer is there any other announcements to share at this time if not, I guess we're ready to continue. Uh, did we get the video 
working to show for the offering, the Oregon Conference Youth Support with Dick Dursons. The new projector didn't work this morning. They couldn't get it to turn on, so they jury-rigged this one that used to be hanging up here. And uh, so that's why we don't have that pulpit to stand behind, and it's kind of scary. <laughs> with some friends, and so two of my friends and I took off, and as we started climbing, we Many years ago, I decided to climb South Sister. I had an evening climb schedule with some friends, and so two of my friends and I took off, and as we started climbing, we realized we had started too late. We got to the summit as the sun was setting. Beautiful sunset. But then we realized that we had to get down the mountain quickly. You see, to go fast, we had left our packs behind. That way we could get back down uh, and, and uh, set up camp for the night. But we would be faster on the climb. So as we got to the top, we said, hey, let's get our flashlights out, our headlamps so we can go down. And wouldn't you know it, my two friends had left their headlamps back in their backpack, had no lights at all, and I had a headlamp that I had already used the full amount of batteries that it said I could use. Back in those days, they weren't as efficient as they are today, and the battery said you could use them for six to eight hours. I had used it for eight hours, and it was done. But that's all we had. And so we start down the mountain, and the sun is now gone, it got dark, and we began to look for our packs. We looked and looked and looked, my headlamp holding strong for hours. And it was probably after midnight before we, we huddled up. We're like, guys, let's just pray up one more time and let's see if we can find uh, our camp. So we prayed, and one of the guys was like, I think that rock cropping over there looks familiar. So we went in that direction, and sure enough, there was our backpack, there were our packs, and there was our tent and all that good stuff. As we get to our packs, the guys reach in, grab their headlamps out, and I watched my headlamp dim and go out in that sequence. It was just, we got there, found our packs, and the light went out. And it was one of those shocking experiences of like, that could have happened 20 minutes ago, that could have happened an hour ago, that could have happened three hours ago for that matter. But it happened just after we found what we were looking for. I've often thought of that story and thought about, you know, the, the, the reality of life is that oftentimes we need a little bit of light, a little bit of insight to find where we are going. And I like to look at that metaphor and say, God is my light. And God gives me enough light to find where I need to be. And it may not seem like I have extra light, but I have enough. I have enough to get to where it is that I need to be. 
And I just want to challenge you to have that trust that God will work with you, even in the dark times, even in those tough times when you're like, man, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. That God will give you just enough to get through that if you just keep having that faith and that trust in God. God, what are you telling me to do? And I'm going to listen for his voice. I really enjoyed that, uh, and I hope that you realize that that was a miracle. God kept those batteries putting out light, and they were able to find their way back safely. Only then did the light go out. And uh, as we travel throughout this world, remember to keep God in front of us, because he's the only way. I invite the uh, deacons to wait upon us now for this offering appeal. It's the Oregon Conference Youth Support, and it's used for young people. What a worthy cause. Let's bow our heads now as we thank God for his goodness to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your care that you give to each one of us moment by moment each day. We pray now, Father, that you would bless this offering that is used for the Oregon youth support. We pray that many young people will stay close to you because of the gift of this offering and many more to follow. In Jesus' name we thank you and pray. Amen.
Our scripture today is 90, Psalms 95, 1. Come, let us sing for joy. To the Lord, let us give a loud shout to the rock who saves us. Is in prayers. Judy. I have one prayer request, and then I want to read something that somebody has a, a thank you. But um, you notice that Doris isn't with us today. Last Sunday, um, her grandson and his wife were in an automobile accident. A big truck evidently hit them and killed them. So um, the family is dealing with that loss. Um, very devastating. So she's asked that we would please remember them in our prayers. And then um, I have a thank you thing here from Lacey. She want, she wanted me to put it in the church uh, update, but I'm going to read it and then put it in there too. Um, she says, I want to thank my church family for all your support. Keep praying for me. It's greatly appreciated. God has worked many miracles in my life. And part of that is he has heard your prayers. And so she wanted to say thank you to you. Keep praying for her. Any more prayers in bed? I'm thankful to God for a beautiful, beautiful Sabbath. And enjoy it a whole lot, everyone. <laughs> there may be some that are not quite this beautiful. And I would like to pray for three friends of mine that are that have medical problems, uh, major medical problems. And I also like to pray for the missionaries. Anybody else? George. I want to pray for uh, Randy and <clears throat> Sid and <clears throat> excuse me and Heather as they have departed to go to uh, Chuk to do some ministry. So I just want to pray for them. Anybody else? Okay, I was just watching the Big Lake uh, movie that we had, and I think about these young people at Big Lake or the other campgrounds for the uh, Adventists. And I have a praise that nothing happened to my granddaughter because she was in the Colorado one where the bear came. And she was, fortunately, she was sleeping in her cabin with the girls. <laughs> but uh, she knew all the boys. And I praise the Lord that no one else was hurt and everything came out wonderful. Anybody else? It's I want to say that I'm very thankful that Kiara flew all the way back here to be here for Community Sabbath this Sabbath. And also, I'm thankful that our, our new grandbaby is going to be born this next week. I have a sister whom 
We've had a rivalry since she was born. She's 10 years younger than myself. And she never could stand the appearance of me. Um, And always made fun of my religion and tried to take my children from me. She is dying of cancer. God turns around everything. And for my enemies, I watch what happens to them. And I just want more than anything in the world to be able to show God's love and to be able to prove that all things are possible with him. And let it be a glory that everyone can see in my family because there's been such a rivalry. That God is love and that the things we do may be so mistaken for hate only because their hearts are hateful. So my, my prayer is that I could be of use and that God will reign. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I just want to thank the Lord for all the young people that helped make our service so beautiful. Yes. The kids. Oh. Reese. I just want to pray, praise God for his faithfulness and ask his continued guidance and leading in our children's lives. Anybody else? Uh, who's her manager? Um, anybody else? Alice. everybody to split up into prayers and then we'll come back together and pray in small groups and then we'll pray together in one large group.
Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful sunshine. Thank you for your love. I pray for the missionaries, I pray especially Chuk today and all the rest of them out there, Lord, putting their lives and their time in your care. And I pray that you'd be with them in a special way and touch people's lives, Lord. I pray for Doris and her family, Lord. You know what they need. I don't even know how to pray for that, Lord, and that great loss. Please be with each one of them. Be with the family and the relationships and the hard-heartedness and the pain that goes on there, Lord. I pray that you'd be with them specifically as she deals with her sickness. And I pray for each of the families within our church and out there, Lord. Family relationships can be difficult, and I just pray that you would be with each family, Lord, because that is where you want heaven to begin right here. You want your glory to be seen there, and sometimes our selfishness gets in the way, and I pray that only you would be seen. And I pray for um, all the other prayer requests that I'm forgetting. Forgive me, um, Lacey. Um, bless each person here. Thank you for the Sabbath. Amen. morning everybody this thing works good all right all right so you have to forgive me for this but uh i actually wrote this thing last night and partly this morning it's been a very busy week and i believe in having i guess you could say sermons that are more applicable and more applicable to our lives rather than just something that we wrote months and months ago so this was actually a wonderful experience um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bo Gilmore. I went to school here at Laurelwood back in like 2006, 7 to 2009. Um, I was going to school here back when we used to go to school over here in this uh, small building over here, and we were a really small class, and so this church actually has some, uh, some deep memories for me for about 10, 10 years ago now. Um, when I went to school here, I didn't really care too much for God. It didn't really mean anything to me personally. Um, so right after I got out of school in 2009, I pretty much left the church afterwards. And by God's grace, I came back to church and started studying the Bible with my older sister in Minnesota when I moved up there in 2011 in the fall. Um, I started going back to church in the spring of 2012. And in the fall of 2012, I came to the Arise program. So everything that's happened to me spiritually has been in this, this area, if you would. So that's just a brief history of who I am and why I'm here. I know a lot of people in here, but I, there's a lot of people I don't know in here. Um, and how it's just kind of random this kid's going to come up here and give you this sermon today. I thought I'd give you some kind of introduction, if you would. Um, let me open up here. I'm not really good at sermons. But surprisingly enough, it's one of those pains that I actually enjoy for some reason. Um, I enjoy more of the study behind the sermon than the actual presentation of the sermon. So I hope you guys are as blessed as I am, as I was when I, when I was writing this thing. Um, let's begin off with this. Um, let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Um, dear Father, Lord, we just thank you so much that we can gather here together on your Sabbath day to study your word and to relate our experiences one to another. Father, that we might uh, admonish one another. 
Father, I just pray that you will speak through me and that uh, you may be glorified, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so Monday, Monday was kind of a rough start for my week. Um, pretty rough start. Um, and right at the peak of that rough start, I'm sitting there talking to Colvin. He goes, oh, you do realize you have this sermon on Saturday, right? I said, oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm the least qualified person. I feel the worst right now, and now I got to do something that's totally opposite of what I would even want to do, and that's to share Jesus, you know. And he told me, he says, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's better that way because we often preach that which we need to learn best. And that has been kind of the, the theme of my thoughts coming to this sermon this whole week is what am I learning this week and how might I present that? Um, this last year has been a difficult year. This last year I've made mistakes and not just up until January, but quite literally until this month last year. I made quite a few mistakes, life-changing ex- mistakes that I've lived with. And um, it kind of crescendoed more towards the convocation, the Light Bears convocation, the camp meeting this summer. It pretty much crescendoed about that time period. And it really came down to me when I started looking at myself as a person. Because at camp meeting, I got to see through a lot of the sermons and stuff. On more one occasions, I broke down on several occasions. But I got to see where my bad decisions... Even my best intentions for those decisions and how sin just progressed outward. And I could just see that all of my bad choices that I had made and the repercussions for all those bad choices and where they had led. And it pretty much broke me pretty hard. I realized then that sin is not something small that we kind of, we pass by. But it's something that's very integrated and very pungent in its, its uh, force, if you would, and it destroys much good. I realize that the best things that I can do still fall short of what needs to be done. And it falls short of God's standard, and it's really hard to live. It was really hard for me to live with at that point in time. Like I said, on several occasions, I break down. I'm not a guy who cries very often, maybe once every five, ten years, maybe. Um, but I managed to do it like three or four times in a week. You know, it was it was kind of a big deal for me. Um, sin has this nasty effect on us. This nasty effect is it tends to separate us from God. And I used to think that it was separating like God's like turning his back on me because of my sinfulness. And this is how I've related. I've been a Christian now for five years, I want to say. And I'm still dealing with the idea that God turns his back on me when I sin. And it really bothers me. It leaves me locked in this cage, in this, 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 this prison, if you would. In Romans chapter 3, verse 12, we, it's a very well-known verse. It says this. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 actually answers this, or says this a lot better, I think. Let's see if I can find it here. For there is, not, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. 
you know, we as a, as a core individuals, we are very broken. And see, I personally thought for myself that I was not a broken person. I had a good home. I had a Christian background. Yeah, I had a little rebellious stage for about three years. You know, not, not bad. I've heard some go for 20. I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, I came back to the church. And I had this huge conversion experience. And I thought, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent person. You know, until the summer, I really discovered that in the inside man, when, when this inner person and its brokenness finds its leaks out into the world, it's devastating to other people, to the ones that we love, to a lot of things. So I discovered that I have a, a core issue in my heart of a broken man. How does God relate to us in this condition? Um, I was asking myself this question this week, and thank God for James, so he helped me to kind of um, define it, if you would. You know, when we sin and we realize our sinfulness, we have this, this, this shame, this guilt, this, this brokenness. Um, we feel this separation. But it's not God turning his back on us. In fact, James pointed out the very simple story that we all well know is that it is um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know, when they sinned, what did they do? They ran and hid. I never noticed that before, the implications of that. And how much, me as a person, I do that. Is I, I, I take off and I run and I hide from God. Not God running and hiding from me because of my sin, but me turning from God. When I feel like I can't approach God, when I feel like I can't pray to God because of my sins, and it separates me, I never noticed that before. How often this is our experience. Um, but how does God relate to us? I go back, I digress. You know, how does God relate to us in this time period? In Micah chapter 6, In Micah chapter 6, starting in verse 3, I love this language. It says, O oh my people, what have I done unto thee? You know, it's almost the same question in, this different, in a different way. It's the same question. Where art thou? You know, where, where are you? What, what, oh my people, what, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of, of servants or of bondage in some translations. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. You know, God has this, this pleading heart. He, he really stretches out for us. He really comes out and he says, you know, why? You know, where are you going, man? Why are you turning from me? I know that you did this, but why are you turning from me? Um, I know the title of my sermon says The Gift That Builds. I think I'm going to avoid that um, because I actually gave that title as something early on in the week that gave me lots of room to work with. But I found that, you know, the gift that builds, I thought maybe might be grace, might be the forgiveness. But I really come to find that it's Jesus is the gift that builds. And I'm going to explain more how. But this is... It's just incredible. Once again, in Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Thy sins have separated you from your God. That word separate means to divide, to, to separate, to severed. 
you know, we, we actually sever or divide ourselves or separate ourselves from God. I can't reiterate this enough, how, how the implications of this. So we have our sinful selves, we sin, we divide from God, but where does God, where does that leave God towards us? According to Micah, it leaves him right there pleading for us, going, where are you? God, God love, loves, yearns for us and, my, and wants us to be with him. Let us turn to Isaiah 52. And I'm just going to read 2 through 6. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bonds of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, Ye have sold yourselves for nothing, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing, that they that rule over them make them to help, saith the Lord. And my name is every day is blasphemed among them. Therefore my people shall know my name, therefore they shall know in that day I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. See, God is pursuing us. And I love, I love Isaiah. Isaiah reiterates this over and over and over again. And you, he leaves you with the impressions. Here's your sins. Here's what I'm doing. This is where you're going. It's not, here's your sins. This is what I'm doing. This is what's going to happen to you. It's where you're going. You know, God re- relates to us with love. He comes with us with mercy. He comes with us forgiveness. You know, and we, we tend to, to lighten this and think of it as something simple. I mean, uh, being raised in a church, we heard Jesus loves you so many times, it's, it's, it doesn't really mean much anymore. You know, it kind of it lost its weight because it's been repeated so much, it almost seems like. Um, but what I really like here is that it, that this is God pursuing us, according to Isaiah. You know, he's, he's reaching out for us. If we turn back to Micah chapter 6, I'd like to continue down through, I think I wrote here 6 and 8 here. Because this seems to be the question of my own soul is, you know, I, I like to compare it this way. It says, you know, if, if somebody told me um, that you could kiss a thousand steps to, you know, to, to, to alleviate the, the guilt of sin, I probably would have done it by now. You know, um, it bothers me. You know, James says I have a, you know, that I have a sensitive conscience, I guess you could say. Maybe I do. I don't know. I think I do because it seems pretty exaggerated to me personally. Um, but I like how how he says this, you know. This is the uh, uh, Micah writing now. He says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord 
and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? With the Lord, will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give the firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You know, it's powerful. He says, what, what should I give for the sin of my soul? And apparently he's dealing with this as well, you know. And I like how Micah pulled this together where he's, you know, he tells of the Lord's voice coming towards him. But then he still says, but Lord, is it really enough? Can I, I mean, what do I give for the sin of my soul? What, you know, would you be satisfied with 10,000 rivers of oil? I mean, that's a lot of oil. That's a lot of anointing. Um, I missed a verse here that I was going to reiterate on. And that is Isaiah 48. In Isaiah chapter 48, <clears throat> forgive me, I'm getting over a cold. In verse 17 and 18, we have the same idea here. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teaches thee to profit, which leads you by the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, that thou would have hearkened to my commandments, then thy peace would have been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. You know, he still comes to us, he says, I'm your redeemer, I love you, I'm, I'm holding on to you. But if you had listened, you would have had peace. You wouldn't have had this, you wouldn't be here. You know, I love this this image of God. And it's and it's sad to think that after five years I'm I'm still trying, I'm still struggling with this image of God not turning his back towards us, but pleading with us. To not let us go. Um, and it's funny, we often relate to God in the same way we relate to ourselves. You know, in a way we relate to other people as well. Back in Micah chapter 6, now back, turning to verse 8. The Lord says, He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. You know, I couldn't help but notice anything in there, but um, there's nothing in there that says anything about us giving something. It's about us doing something for people, for others. But it's not about giving anything for, for our sins. It's about doing something for somebody else. And I thought, wow, how can we, how can we gain that freedom to do that, to, to, to leave this guilt back here and to just love people, do justly, love, you know, love mercy, to give to people. It made me ask the question, what has he done and Why? Why has God done this and what has he done to do it? You know, or what, what has God done and why has he done it? And the best verse that I can find to answer both these questions in one go, it's pretty lucky if you ask me, is in Romans chapter, uh, where is that, 5. Starting in verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man 
will one die. Yet preadventure for a good one, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by the blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's interesting, you know, you know, however you look at it, uh, no matter what kind of choices you make, you can't change the fact that Christ already died for you from the foundations of the world. From, from the very beginning, he knew this was going to happen. He knew this was the nature of the beast, yet he sent his son to, to, to die for us. Um, <clears throat> okay. Does this mic work now? Okay, cool. It actually seems like not to echo so much in here. It's so much nicer now. Okay. Um, but God commended his love towards us. He gave us Christ. Sometimes we undervalue this gift. Like I said, sometimes we get used to hearing Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But we don't realize the implications of the gift that was given to us, that we don't have to bear this guilt. We don't have to, to, to live in this shame, but we can, we can go on to, to be free to make better choices. We can be free to live um, we can be free to live, to see ourselves the way God does. Because God gave us his son, he gave us the grace, he gave us the forgiveness that we, that we needed. You know, we, we hear this verse a lot, but it declares the love of the Father for us in giving us the son. And that's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. In John chapter 10 Verse 11, or verses 11 and 15. Forgive me, I didn't actually memorize these guys. Um, but in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He reiterates that same thought process as, As the Father knoweth me, even so now I the Father, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. It's a beautiful picture. And this is one that uh, James had pointed out like several weeks back. And I'd, I'd forgotten about it. But it came vividly to mind. Was from eternity's past. Now eternity is a long time. You had the father and you had the son. And they were together. They knew each other. They, knew, they were one. And for the first time in eternity... They were separated in one point, and that you can find in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. They were separated. We don't even realize the implications of that. We think of loved ones we're separated from. We think of different things we're separated from. But we don't even realize that it's just, you know, our, our human relations, being separated from our human relations hurt. Can you imagine eternity spent with one person and it's separated? Nothing. I bring this point so we can see how how God might feel, how God might you know to awaken in the heart this this love that God has for us to the magnitude that He would give for us this. You know, earlier this week I, I was all bogged down, and it seems like a simple concept, but just knowing this, 
and remembering this, that God loves me and that God gave his son for me would have freed me from that, from like three days worth of pain. I could have been saved from that. But because of my own sins, I had turned away from God and I didn't remember God. I didn't remember what God had done for me. I haven't remembered what, what, what it meant. In Isaiah chapter 52, I told you I love Isaiah. Man, he's such a good book. Oh, favorite book in the whole Bible. We read from 6, verse 12. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in the day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. Yeah, shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye. When the Lord shall bring again Zion, break forth unto joy, sing together, ye waste place of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth. They shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out of the hints. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean and bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your reward. Man, you put this, this, this group of verses here in the light of the cross after Christ had given his life, and I'm pretty sure that's what Isaiah was trying to depict. You know, it's this good message. God has, God has won the victory. And be, be joyful. Go forward. You know, I like this, this, uh, this part here. He says, uh, you know, depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from thence. And do not touch unclean things. Don't, don't go back to this. Don't go anywhere near this. You know, he says, go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye separate. Don't, don't go back to this. Don't be a part of this. But go ye forward. Go ye forward. And how does it say it? To bear the vessels of the Lord. You know? To be a part of God in His sanctuary. Be a part of God in His, His work. Because the victory is His. So what is our part? That we play in all this. So if we're if we're sinful and God loves us this much, what part do we play in this? You know, Micah six eight it says just be, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. In Isaiah forty eight seventeen it says, and many other verses I might add, uh, keep, keep keep the commandments, hearken unto the commandments. This I believe is our part. And it starts in, in John chapter 3.
And we'll start in 14. As, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our part is to believe. Our part is to believe that God has made the had, had made the, the, the appropriate sacrifice that God had given for us what we cannot give for ourselves. Then we go into for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He reiterates that same idea because God loves you. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You know, the, I like how you can continue studying on this but even Romans chapter 7 was talking about this. You know, I, I'm, I'm betwixt between. I got, I got uh, what my flesh wants to do, what my spirit wants to do. Because he's free in the mind. He sees where God has made him free in his heart. But then his body fights against him. And he has this, this whole battle back and forth. Uh, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that I do. And it's really complicated. I was going to expound on it, but it would take a... It's worded really bad. I wasn't going to try to crack open that case. That was going to be a bad deal. I'd probably mess it up anyways. But anyways, he finds that there's this war in himself over these two ideas. These two ideas of, you know, what, where, does the, where does the loyalty of the heart lie? What does, God want, what does God want me? God wants us to believe in him. God wants us to, to believe that he, has, that he loves us. And that he cares for us. Because the moment that we stop believing that he loves and cares for us, we tend to shrink back and we tend to hide. Because outside of that, what do you do with the guilt? What do you do with the shame? You know, I can tell you a million ways of how I've tried to deal with the guilt and the shame of what I've been missing with God. And it just leads you right back into the same whirlpool. It's only when we... We let go and we accept Christ's forgiveness. We accept the grace that has been given us that we are even able to move forward and to look forward to become somebody different, to become free. Um, it's kind of interesting that you all chose. I didn't, I didn't choose a scripture reading, I might just add. Um, I barely got a title out, just so you all know. Um, I didn't choose a song either. Really sorry. <laughs> um, but the scripture reading today is actually um, was quoted by Paul in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. I'm going to have to read that for you because it's a very powerful verse. It says this, Take heed, my brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And I love this, this next part, in, in doing what? In departing from God, from the living God. A sinful heart of unbelief is what separates us from God. 
because we don't believe this, because we don't believe what the Old Testament told us about the victory of Christ. We don't believe what, what Christ had done. We stopped looking at God. We stopped believing in him. We stopped walking with him. We stopped. We have this sinful heart of unbelief that separates us from God. But as we continue on, it says, But extort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But extort one another. Love one another. Express that freedom and that grace that you have been given. Express that to other people, to love other people. That it becomes real and that you never forget it in your own heart. So once again, I say, do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. God wants us to walk humbly with him. Humbly as in we realize who we are deep down inside, but we realize who we can be in Christ. And we are to trust in him daily. And that's about it. I don't know how to end things like this. (laughs) Um, You guys didn't find a song by any chance? Cool. I'm not exactly a preacher just yet.
Father, Lord, thank you for the beautiful gift that you have given us and given us your son. Thank you for this gift that builds us, who recreates us, who shapes us into new beings, Lord, and gives us the freedom to do so. Father, help us to remember that you have done these things for us. From, from the beginning of time, even to this day, Lord, you have done this, and yet you will never cease to call for us. Father, let not our sins separate your face from us, but let us, Lord, seek how we can come closer and closer to you each day. Father, let us not forsake you in all things, but help us to bring, us, bring you into our lives every day more and more. Father, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. I ask your blessing upon the rest of the Sabbath day, Father, that uh, we might rest in Jesus this day, as it has been promised us. Thank you, Father, for your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.